Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey, it's Lori, and I am so happy that you're joining us for this episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. It is going to be a powerful episode that I think is going to resonate with so many people who have walked through separation, divorce, addictions, trauma from your childhood. It's no secret that the experiences and even the traumas that you face as a single person or as a child are carried into your marriage. Today, you're going to hear a unique restoration testimony. My mom, Charlene, and I sat down with a brave woman who's going to share how God has done a work of healing in her life from addiction and from trauma. He not only restored her when she was prodigal, but he's restored her marriage and a prodigal child that she prayed for for so long has come to know the Lord and is thriving. And I know that her honesty and openness about so many of these sensitive situations is going to be a blessing to you. Nothing is impossible with God. That was the theme through this podcast. His grace can cover our sins. That's why he died on the cross. The enemy wants you to be stuck in sin. He wants us to feel like we're unworthy and we're too dirty to come to Jesus. But that's a lie. So I hope that this episode is an encouragement to you. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here, not only to hear your story of restoration, but also just to hear the many things that God has done in your life spiritually and how he's changed you through the process of you praying, not only for a prodigal husband, but also for prodigal children. So we're happy that you're with us today. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, you had shared with us that in your first year of marriage, you started noticing problems pretty much immediately in that first year and realizing that there was some struggles going on. And what, what did that look like for you and your husband? Initially, and really, like you said, immediately, there just was like almost this volcano um, warming and heating up and we weren't really sure what it was so we were thrown off guard and didn't know how to approach it at all um I was somewhat of a new Christian I had been a Christian for a few years um and I had been through addictions um very recently so um we knew there was a lot of lava underneath but we had never imagined that it would just really start to just ooze out all over. And um, so we, we turned to someone who we were referred to by church. Um, and that turned into um, actually a crime. Um, and then that unturned all this childhood sexual abuse in my family that I hadn't recalled yet. So needless to say, um, there was just so much going on in that first year that then led into the second and third year and ultimately me going in um, actually a a long-term treatment facility to get help and restored um, physically, emotionally, psychologically, sexually, and ultimately spiritually. That is um, definitely what led to our divorce. And when you came out of that treatment, did you feel like you had a renewed relationship with the Lord and, and then therefore could go into 
a marriage different than what the previous years had been? Um, My husband had been raised Christian and we met at church. He was a youth leader. Um, But through that incident, he then really turned away. I'm going to cry. Sorry. That's okay. Um, So I think I was really looking forward to that upbringing, bringing up our children in the Lord with him as a Christian. I was so thrilled. Um, You know, I was the only one he was ever dating or with at age 26. And um, I had a whole other very promiscuous history from age 15 or 14 on because of what was inside, but I hadn't, God hadn't yet revealed that to me. And I became Christian at 19. And so I was like, so in love with this godly guy and everything was going to go great. And it was just this dream. He was that prince my mom always told me about. Um, I just was not the princess at all. Um, So I think it took a long time for me to understand who I was. Yeah. Took a long time for me to really believe that in my heart and my soul to really learn how to sit in it, stand in it and walk in it. And ultimately, um, was very humiliating or very humbling, really, rather. When I first left the treatment center and reintegrated back into home, I think the real issue was that I didn't know how to live in reality, right? Growing up, that was stolen from me. And so that whole sense of, like, who I am wasn't there. Um, and so I had learned who I was, but it, I really, and in the The person I had counseling me who owned the center was Christian, but it wasn't really, it was me having to learn to turn to God individually, that one-on-one personal relationship of intimacy and connection, which I had been so, that was dangerous. I think it just was a lot of unfolding, I think. Um, And so it was reuniting with my husband that first year out of treatment into that intimacy and connecting, which I think the enemy and God were still rivalry, rivaling or rivalry. Um, and there's definitely a war that I don't think I anticipated at all. That was definitely in the spiritual realm. Um, Did you feel like you were spiritually prepared to no. enter that? <laughs> Not at all. And I think I was so afraid of ghosts as a little girl and so afraid of any story that was like not, and they lived happily ever after and once upon a time, you know? And so I would read Ephesians and just be like, that's terrible. Um, And it actually wasn't until this last month, if you can really believe that, but um, after all this long time, when our our son went through teen challenge, graduated and um, just this last spring, and is an apprentice now and serving there. And they went to um, what's called spiritual emphasis. And I was praying for our son and praying for everyone there, all the staff. And the Lord kept bringing back spiritual warfare. And every time I turn on the Christian radio, it'd be like a pastor talking about spiritual warfare. And um, just through knowing um, what I know, I, I, I didn't even know that the theme for this year's teen challenge of Southern California, spiritual emphasis was spiritual warfare. <laughs> um, until like the third day when my son was like, why do you keep talking about spiritual warfare when I call you? And I'm like, you know, it's just, that's what the Lord's been 
you know, putting on my heart to pray for you about it. He's like, because that's the theme, mom, you know? And, um, but I realized that everything about like Exodus 14, 14, where the Lord says, you only need to be still, I will fight for you and the battle belongs to me. Uh, I had always looked at for years, the spiritual warfare in Ephesians as like, I have to do it. I have to get ready. I have to get dressed. I have to fight and war all this. And just in those first couple days of that, praying for our son, it is just the Lord just like, let it all come up upon me that all of those things that we put on are like stilling and still they're like just standing, you know, you're wearing it. Um, obviously the sword of the spirit, but we're not like out there waging war in the heavenlies. We are, but like, it's not a big, really bloody fight that I was always really afraid of. It's like, the truth is around you. The peace is on your feet and you're right with God and that's protecting your heart. And then you're saved and that salvation is protecting those thoughts and um, your fears, you know, the shield of faith and everything. And so there's that, I can be still and let him do it. And so I'm still having, I think, all these revelations. Let me interrupt. And as you're saying that about the armor of God, there's many people that may not know about putting on the armor of God that you're referring to. And I think I will read it for you. And as you're sharing about it and for the others that do not know about it. And I put this on myself and my family each and every day. And I know that you probably do that for yourself and for your family now. As, as you have learned and grown in the Lord about this, we can, Look in Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and it reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God, so you take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then it continues with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints, which you have mentioned right now how you've been changed. But you learning that has given you such wisdom and knowledge and protection for yourself from the fiery darts of the evil one, plus for your family. And that's what the Lord did to me. I never knew when I started praying for Bob's return to put on the armor of God on our family. And I went to church, but they never, I never remember hearing a sermon on putting on the armor of God. But the Lord revealed it to me at the very beginning of my stand is that we need to be protected and God's given us this 
to protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy. And for you to learn that, that is so powerful for you and for your family. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to teach the others that may not know it as you have learned. So you were several years after your treatment and you're back at home with your family and trying to get reacclimated and things were not rosy like you had hoped and expected. And so eventually, um, did you decide to separate you and your husband? Uh, you know, we were only back together for, let's see, um, I would say even less than a year's time. And we moved across the country. Um, and so I had sort of lost connection to the treatment um, help that I had. And um, so, yes, there was just a lot of trials and temptations of sort of parenting issues and disagreements um, and almost paranoias on my, my end were fiery darts, really thoughts that I w really wasn't aware again, how to take captive or um, hold up that shield of faith that I did learn to eventually stand back and see what was happening or stand with God and stand in his shield. But um, so, yeah, I, just had this, what I thought was a great idea to leave my husband and just, I'm going to go to this really cool place and live there. And, you know, he was the one that said, you know, if you leave, we have to divorce because our kids have been, you know, away from you for so long and they can't handle another division and separation of not having their mom. And so he was trying to tell me, I love you. I want you to stay because I don't want to divorce you. But obviously what I heard was he hates me, can't stand me, never loved me. And what the enemy of my soul wanted me to hear was just leave. He's giving you the, the boot essentially. Um, so I left and it was just the biggest tearing of my heart. And I think, I mean, it was just incredible. I, the, day I left and I had been a Christian that at that point for, you know, 12 years probably. But I, I, like Charlene said, I didn't hear a lot in the church about like things, how I could connect to God and be in and with God. You know, I, he was out there and everybody at church kind of had him and I had to have the Christians to have him. I didn't know I had him. <laughs> I did. Emmanuel, God with us. But I didn't know you. I knew he was like in my heart. I didn't know how that worked. And uh, sadly, and so this was just the most incredible, like almost impregnating <laughs> long <laughs> um, time. But from the instant I got to this, you know, quote, super cool apartment on this river that was just terrible. <laughs> it was like, you know, the, the blinders came off within the hour that I left of, of how cool that idea was. And I was just instantly humbled to the just feet of Jesus. And it was just instantly there. It was like this instantaneous, here I am. And so it was this all so instantaneous of, here I am, Lord, send me or say to me anything. This is going to hurt so terribly because like I knew all the things I had done and I was unfaithful to my husband through um, saying yes to sort of users and abusers, even, you know, 
in before we or when we were dating and before we married and then in the marriage after the crime. And I didn't know, but I was trying to work out something. I was trying to right the wrongs, trying to be responsible when it wasn't really anything I did or understood yet. And so, um, is it fair to say you were pretty much like the prodigal at that stage then? Oh, I a hundred percent was initially I had the children and this wonderful lady, oh my goodness, was our, was our lawyer. We did get a lawyer just to make sure things were very clean um, and Christian. As they aged, I had always wanted to be that, that fairy tale dream of mine was I always wanted to be a, a wife and a mother with children at home. <laughs> That's, I've had no interest in any career or any job. I've, um, Ever since I was a little girl, and then when I became a Christian, I just, that's, that was the dream. And it was just shattered because I couldn't conceive it in reality. But um, then eventually when they, the kids got older, because they were two and five when we did divorce, we ultimately decided that because he could afford, you know, the extra bedroom, <laughs> um, then he had them five, uh, five days and I had them too. Um, what was God doing in your life at that time spiritually? Were you growing? Did you have a renewed relationship with the Lord or were you still the prodigal running from him and your marriage? No, I will say that the, the renewed relationship was instant and it was extremely painful. It was like the coming home, um, like the dying really to myself and dying to the control that my parents had over me or my abusers were, it was really this coming home to I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. And I will say, I think I did like perfectly with that for five years. I remember um, being in that place and we only lived there for like, I think a month or a month and a half, but um, the Lord took me initially, like I would open my Bible. I was just so distraught. I couldn't do anything cohesively or systematically. I could just, God speak to me, you know, and um, there was this song of songs where she just desperately misses him in the cover, under the covers. It's like excruciatingly painful, that verse. And I, I read that verse and it was just so raw and real. And again, I think God was delivering me from not being able to live in reality. And it was very excruciating um, because there's just, you know, the wants. I wanted my husband. And so he was rebirthing this good want and like returning me to that willingness and to the choosing love and want when want had been so damaging. I don't want to want anything. So if I want it, I'm going to run, you know, and so restoring the wanter in me with love and grace and truth and stillness and calm and quiet, becoming that godly child. And then eventually godly woman, I would say, and godly mother. And what, what was your husband's reaction to this? Did he immediately want to restore your marriage and move back in together and move on with the happily ever after, or did you have a different opinion? Wouldn't that have been the greatest reality <laughs> yeah. ever? Oh, the dream, uh, the, the desire and the, the wanting. So my husband 
was so pierced, I mean, just through and through and through to the depths of his soul and being and body and mind. I mean, it was just, just, uh, it was, I, I tried to go home within that first minute, first hour. Uh, I even like showed up at the door and um, there was like this wall in, you know, impenetrable wall. It was just, there was no way in. It was all uh, dark and quiet. And I remember calling his mom from our street in the car and just, you know, he won't let me in. You know, it was just the most awful, painful thing. And I, um, I, I did everything he said at that point. He wanted me to move back to this other town closer. And I did that, you know, and I remember for a long time becoming like a little girl in the back seat of the car on a long journey across the country. Are we there yet? You know, like it almost seemed like every time he knocked to pick up the kids, I'd say, Lord, is this it? Is this it? And, you know, I feel like when I finally was able to let go of doing that, um, not that I didn't need my husband or want him, but I, when I really was able to let that timing unfold, you know, and even um, I remember, let's see, it would have been about a year and a half into my stands when, when Bob passed, I remember I was listening on the phone on one of my morning walks and I was just crying and crying and crying. And it's like, God was restoring the love I had for my husband. I eventually got to where like, even if God forbid he passes, like I have to understand that he's my covenant and I'm his covenant and that our marriage is already healed, redeemed, renewed, restored. Um, it already is. And when I started to sort of live and breathe and move in that truth, um, from the authority Charlene spoke, I, he was able to see me. And I think in a new light that I really was trusting in Christ. It wasn't like, you know, before when I was Christian, but like, you couldn't really see Christ through and through. And so I think my husband started to see like, how is she not, you know, upset all the time? Or, I mean, I remember there was a time when I, it was like iHeartRadio and I would just listen on my iPhone to Charlene Cares all night long, because if I woke up, I would be so upset. Let me share a scripture in first Corinthians 13 that came to mind when you were just sharing. It said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror that we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And it seems like that's what God was doing in your life was putting childish ways behind you in your Christian walk, where maybe you had prayed a prayer and, and he had, you know, said, Lord, forgive me and come into my life. And I believe you died for my sins, but then you kind of weren't growing in your faith until you got to this point and of desperation. And then you really got to see that God is who he says he is and have that real intimate relationship with your heavenly father, like never before. Amen. No, that is, that is hundred percent true. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you're divorced and you're praying for restoration and your husband is not interested in restoration. What happened that finally changed 
where he was willing to entertain the idea of coming back together again. So we were in um, one location, all 3,000 miles away from home for five years. And then we moved north, essentially. And um, for some reason, I had it in my head that this was going to be it. Even though we were still living in two apartments, this time we lived in the same complex or apartment community. And so I had just somehow decided this was it, right? And um, so because of my history, I have something that I've learned in the last, well, actually from a counselor in this new place in the north, (laughs) a Christian counselor, that um, when I move, there can be something with attaching to the wrong people. And I I just want to say this in case somebody else is, had this where they fall away or they don't fall away, but they fall into sin, which I did. After those two things happened, I, I have never felt so low in my life because I had just stood like, I know it wasn't perfect, but like seriously, perfectly. (laughs) Um, I had, I feel like I had taken every invitation of the Lord and I had learned of him and I had grown in this intimacy. And so to put myself out there in that old you know, person, I was just very, what the enemy wanted, really discouraging and disheartening and um, almost disillusioning for, for moments or days. And I, I did have to reach out to that original counselor at the treatment center, actually, um, to help kind of renew my mind in that. And I just want to share this sort of supernatural moment where I was driving in this old rickety Toyota Camry, it was 2001. Um, and I, we lived in the snow, so I parked underground at this library to return some of the children's books upstairs. And on the way there, just a couple minutes away, I, I um, just told the Lord, what a sinner I am. How in the world could you ever forgive me? I'm already a Christian. I'm a believer. I've had this whole new relationship with you. Like, I know you. I am just done. This is it. You know, you'll never forgive that and those two things. So I go up, get out, park in the underground park, go upstairs, come right back down. I just had to put the books in the drop thing. And my two seats in the front of that car were laid all the way down. And it's no one Camry, but those seats have to be, um, the key would have to be in and turned on um, to electronically and it takes quite a while to put those seats down. Well, I had the key. The doors were locked. I mean, I thought, then there was another Toyota Camry next to it. And I thought, well, that's not my car. I didn't have seats with mine. Who drives with their seat? The, it was the driver's seat and the passenger's seat laid all the way down. <laughs> and like, so I go to try to open the other car and that wasn't my car. And I go back to the car and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> and I got in that and I sat there. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? I was like dumbfounded, even though it was so obvious. And it was just like, I laid my life down for you for this, for those two other men. <laughs> like what, you know, it was, I laid that, I laid down my life while you were still a sinner. And so I think a lot of times I think like, I have to be perfect now I'm Christian. Right. Um, and of course I try to be right. I used to strive to be, but um I drove like that with the seat down. 
<laughs> I was not going to put it up and it takes so long to put that up. Um, so I just want to share that miracle the Lord did to show me. And so from then on, I just said, that's it. You know, um, Lord, I'm, I'm walking with you. You know, please don't let me fall again. You lay down your life for me. You're li- literally here with me. I don't have to live like that. And um, it was, let's see, shortly after that, we learned our son had a um, life-threatening issue and had to have a life-saving surgery uh, at age 15. And um, he underwent a 12-hour surgery and was in Children's Hospital for one month. And um, it was just the most, another very incredibly traumatic experience for us. But even the doctor, the surgeon said, you know, told our son, someone is looking out for you. This is, (laughs) um, it, it was a really incredible story. It was just this incidental finding. He volunteered in the study and it was just incredible how God saved our son that way. The Lord used that. Um, my husband knew that our son needed his mom and needed me there to care for him at, at um, his apartment. And so I did move in. I was invited home. And when you were back together caring for your son and living under the same roof, um, was your husband interested in talking about your marriage relationship and restoring that not as just co-parents, but as a husband and wife, or was he still resistant thinking that there was no hope? he was still very much observing and watching still and was not at all willing to go there so thankfully I had learned that that you know is God's timetable and his heart's time frame to um his own hearing of and learning of God God made it so that after our son's surgery my husband didn't get a job he applied for like 30 Um, and so we came home, um, to California and we like, literally the Lord led us to get married. It was my husband's idea to get married, um, at the same place we got married at and which was the courthouse. (laughs) We got married under this beautiful trellis of bougainvillea with this, um, etched in, um, writing on the ground, um, and I think it's, it means love conquers all or love always has the victory or something. I can't actually remember what it said now, but it was just, I mean, we were just both crying. Um, our first year of marriage, the first time, and the first year of just living together when we reunited, were both very uncomfortable <laughs> um, for all, all of us, including our son and daughter. Um, because of my history, I do live with post-traumatic stress. And so there was just a lot that ignited and just, especially moving back to home where all of that had gone on in my childhood. And so after treatment, we left and went 3000 miles East. And so this was the first time we'd come back to the West after uncovering everything. And so there was a lot to work through and, it thankfully, thank God, it got worked out, but there was a lot God was doing in each of us. I think that's such an important fact because people so often think we're going to get remarried and then everything's going to be perfect. 
And it's two centers coming back together. And so there are still going to be issues to work through, maybe in your situation and in others that have had um, deep rooted traumas and a history of sexual abuse and some of the things that you've been through, it's going to be a different set of problems. But we just recently did a um, podcast even with Fabian and Luz who have a restored marriage and shared the same thing, that there's so many hurdles when you're restored still to work through. And it's kind of just that recommitment to your commitment because you made a commitment the first time you got married and then one spouse or both spouses said, you know, forget it, this isn't for us and you divorce. And now you're remarried and you have to recommit that, okay, this is it. We're in this for the long haul and we're going to work through the problems, the struggles, the trauma, the, you know, prodigal children, whatever, whatever is thrown at us, we're going to do it together. And so it's important for people to understand that, that, you know, it is amazing to be remarried and restored as you can attest, but it doesn't come without some bumps in the road, right? (laughs) Right. It's a rejoining. It's, right. it's a re and, and I think when he's knitting us together again, it's painful. I think it does hurt. I mean, to make clothes, they're so beautiful. It does take a needle and thread. And it's like, I don't know, God uses, you know, oh, whatever he needs to, but there was, there was definitely, um, the trust and, um, you know, my husband hasn't returned to the Lord yet. And so, um, you know, because of, of what went on with the incident, it's, it was just also deeply hurtful. I think that, um, there was so much trust. There was so much there that we had never even in seven years of being divorced, um, and not together even ever talked about, we never even talked. I would come to the door to pick up the kids and he would crack the door like I was just an absolute criminal. <laughs> and, you know, I would just hear over and over, this is just the enemy. Never look at the, never look at the um, circumstances, you know, and I, I would think these are the consequences of my sin. And I would always walk away just crying. I kind of there, what do you want? You know, and, yeah. um, okay, time for you to go, you know, and it, it was just, so there was like a fear on my part, like, is he going to revert back to being, mean like that and not, not, you know, um, and then for him, it was just all this fear is if she, is she going to do that again? If she she leaves, is she going to, so we would say things to one another and just hear the absolute opposite. And so it's been, you know, a couple of years of just standing back and hearing actually what he's really saying or me actually sharing what I'm actually saying and just, you know, putting the balm of Gilead on those hurts really intentionally. Uh, just how could I be there in a physical way to show that I'm here? I want to be here. I'm trustworthy because really the lie underneath the trust issue for him all those years was that she doesn't want me, right. you know, uh, she doesn't like how I look, you know, really these things that I would have never imagined. Right. He's so handsome and gorgeous, you know, <laughs> so smart. I never would have thought that. So you're rebuilding a marriage and getting reacclimated to each other, walking through restoration. And at the same time, your journey, obviously, as a person standing for marriage restoration, never ends. We always say that once a stander, always a stander. 
but you were also praying for prodigal children who were not living for the Lord. And especially your son who had fallen into um, some addictions and what was happening in your life at that time? Wow. Um, You know, that was the most incredible time where I think, you know, my attention, I feel like my mind and my soul became like, and my spirit became like one of those pies, you know, where I was like, okay, this is for my husband and then our daughter and then our son. And then I've got to pray in the spirit and then the household, I've got to cook and clean and shop and take care of the dogs. It was like, I have never felt so inundated, I think, but I knew what I had to do, right? Because I had stood for seven years and learned how to, how to stand back and look and see. And that was just the most incredible thing because there was so much going on and I was getting so assaulted by the enemy because I had been through addiction as a teenager and into my early twenties and almost passed away several times due to that. And I was not going to allow that to happen to our son because I knew who was doing that. So then I knew this wasn't a battle against flesh or blood, but against the enemy of our son's soul who had obviously been extremely hurt when we divorced. Right. And when um, the incident went on and just going back and forth from one house to the other and everything. And so I um, like, you know, I reached out to a lot of people across the country, prayer warriors, you guys, prayer requests. Um, and I, I just returned to the word of God. Not that I wasn't in it, but like I would throw my Bible up in the air <laughs> and my husband would come in and say, are you throwing your Bible up again? And I'm like, yes. Like I, at some points, I don't know what, where, what passage, like just God show me something. I do not know something marvelous. You know, I just, now it's in two pieces, but I don't care. I, that's the way it should, it should look, you know, marked up underlined bent pages, stuff stuffed in there. So I don't lose the page <laughs> dated everywhere. And, um, you know, he just showed me through his word, like scriptures I've never heard, never learned, you know, and Um, our son would come in and I would see him going to do things that I had done. And I just, you know, I couldn't believe it. And then I, um, it was even when, you know, he would come in on the, in the addiction and I went, I one or two times just looked right at him in his eyes and just told the enemy out loud, loud, get out of my son, get out of our apartment, get out of here. You do not have any right here. Get out of here. You don't belong here. And I remember our son a little like, you know, in a kind of funny way, but I remember our son being like, wow, you know, she's claiming me like she's not going to let me go. And what's happened has been so incredible is that he watched me stand all those years as as a young boy and as a young man. And, you know, I was careful in the stand and, um, I would share only things to bring God glory and trust that one day he would see this fruition, but, you know, praying and putting the hedge of protection, the wall of fire, the word angels, we would pray every night. The kids would pray for our marriage. And um, so he saw that working in the spirit and I just knew this was a spiritual battle. And um, I mean, it's just, 
the most incredible thing because I did have to let him go at some, and I, I we didn't know where he was uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, which was one of the second most painful things in my life. It's not the first, I mean, I, um, but it was another, you know, birthing of a newer trust in God and increasing in my faith of God, only you can do this. Like only you can go after the one who was lost and leave the 99. And one day our daughter was in a counseling um, office and I was in the car waiting and um, the Lord just said to me, he's, he's in the thicket, he's caught and I have to go. I'm the only one that can, you know, carefully enough, get him out of that thicket. My, my sheep is caught. And, um, and I just knew he kept telling me he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And it's like so much of the time when the Lord responds and answers our prayer, it's that he's going to be okay. But then there's no details of how, what, why, when, and where. <laughs> and I'm like, can you do it immediately? Like, you know, um, but I really did have to let go and just, okay, I'm getting, I'm going to go into that passenger seat. I know you're in the driver's seat. I know you've got this. God's got this. And you know, the world says you've got this, you know, but God's got this God's got him. And um, actually it was through one of your podcasts and I I tuned in and it was teen challenge directors out in Florida. And so I, I did, you know, research and there, there was a teen challenge right where we live and it took three tours um, and he was adamantly not going to go um, to that. And um, it was, well, I toured first and then I brought him second after he went to a month or two long traditional rehab and medication and therapy. And that didn't help at all. Then he toured with me and just said, yeah, that looks nice, but I don't need that. Um, and he had a, a girlfriend. So they did okay for a few months it was not going well. They went back into their addiction and um, I was praying and praying and praying. And, you know, I'd been praying for a Christian wife for our son because I felt like he's in high school. I need to be praying for this. And she was, she's Christian. And so they, they were in their addiction. And again, we had no communication with them. We actually had to move out of that city and into another apartment just to, you know, say no and put up those boundaries and make sure we weren't enabling this addiction. And it was, I mean, it caused quite a bit of arguments in uh, our home because my husband's the disciplinarian and I'm the nurturer. And so I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but God led us to this organization that tells you, you know, because I love you, this is why I'm doing this. And that really helped me do that. And um, so God Almighty, (laughs) in his, you know, magnificence, just led our son and his girlfriend to want to go to Teen Challenge out of a willingness and obedience and all other doors closed. Yeah, and it's, it's such a testimony. I mean, and he said, I just, I need dad to tour with us. I'm okay. You know, so the three of us toured and I will say the four of us, cause the Lord was with us. And, um, and, and that was it. And, you know, he didn't actually go then that's when he actually returned to the addiction. Right. But because mom and dad had toured, you know, with God gave that okay to God, you know, and it miraculously, my husband, who's not turned toward the Lord yet went and said, you know, this is a really good place. These are good people. You know, this is, this is, this is legit. This is the real thing. You know, you need God, Bobby, or you need God. 
give us an update on how he's doing today, because I know you've seen God answer so many prayers in this situation. Yes. It's like just the most incredible thing again, that I couldn't have even imagined or asked for or dreamed of. Um, like the verse says, I, you know, he calls me and tells me scriptures. He sends me songs that are so incredible that are, I've never heard that one. How'd you find that? You know, or, or verses like he taught me Genesis 29, 20, mom, this is, this is your verse. Look, you know, um, um, I have it actually open right here. Let me read um, Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Yes. Yes. Um, Jacob and Rachel. So, so our son sent me that verse and, and, and actually said that to me on the phone. And, um, and uh, as we, we weren't able to see him for about 14 months because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but so we would talk or, or zoom a couple of times a week and he shared that with me. And I, I said, how on earth, you know, have I not heard that one? And, uh, and then I'll send him ones that make perfect sense for the waiting that he's having to do with his girlfriend because they're in teen, they're teen challenge graduates now that they're both serving. And so they, they're not allowed to talk during their internships. And so, um, well, they're not able to see each other. They've had a, a little bit of, of talking, but, um, and, and he, he'll, I'll text him the verse and he'll say, what, you know, and, but to be corrected by my son on, oh, that's not the right verse because I'm pretty terrible. And it makes it all up, but it, I know what I'm saying. They're true. Yeah. Their verses are there, but you know, oh mom, no, it, it, it goes like this, or that's this, you know, book. And, um, I mean, to hear his testimony and, to see the life transformation and the, the heart transformation, the Damascus Road experience. It's like, it, it's just incredible. It's just so far above and beyond um, all I could imagine. They, they want to go on into the ministry and to go to the Ministry Institute of Teen Challenge and, and continue to serve um, God willing for years and years. So just answers to many of your prayers, answers to many of your prayers. God is bringing them forth to you in, in this uh, reconciliation and the restoration of his uh, heart and life and freedom from addictions, which is huge. To God be the glory. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Well, I know that it's um, seemed like a lifetime for you and the things that you've gone through, um, the trauma in your life, the struggles with marriage the struggles with your own personal life, you know, through the years that you were divorced and falling into sin. And, but God has shown faithful over and over again through your faithfulness to him. And I think that's so important because there were so many times you could have just given up and said, you know, forget it, Lord, I'm done with you. I'm not going to pray for my husband. I'm done with this marriage. If he doesn't want me, I don't want him or I'm done with my son even, you know, I don't want to wait through this addiction. I don't want to stay and go through this pain of praying for him and watching him go through what you know all too well, because you lived it yourself. And through your faithfulness, God has just blessed and, and been faithful. And I think that's so important. If you hear nothing else today, I hope that all of our listeners hear that even when we face the struggles, we have to remain steadfast and not give up because we may be the only link that God's going to use to restore relationships, 
to heal people that need to be healed from addictions and from past trauma. And so it's been a blessing to watch um, you go through this. I know that you've been part of the ministry for so many years. And so we have kind of ridden the ups and downs with you and through surgeries and through dark days that looked like there was no hope. And now I know you're still praying for your daughter and praying that she will fully surrender her life to the Lord and will turn from some choices that she's making. And so we're praying that with you. But I hope that um, all of our listeners are encouraged today just to see that God is still doing miracles and that whatever situation may seem hopeless, it may seem like this is too big, this is too great, there's too much hurt, there's too much trauma that nothing is too big for God to redeem and restore. And the Lord was with you throughout it. And you kept revealing his presence right. so many different times to you as in the car. He just revealed his presence. And I am right here with you, regardless if you feel me and regardless if you acknowledge me, but I am right here with you. I'm not never, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's what we have to remember. And your testimony of your family and what God is doing in your family and your son calling up and sharing what scriptures and all these different things through a pandemic it is um, exhilarating to hear. We love those phone calls from our loved ones and to hear the growth that he is having and a call on his life with his girlfriend for the future of them to be married God is a God of miracles and he has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. And he directs our steps more than we can ask or imagine. You just wanted your son to be freed from his addiction. And now look where he's at today. Yeah. He said, actually, we just saw him. Uh, thank God on last Sunday for family hours. Um, and so nice. We're outside. We bring a meal for two hours and, you know, he, he's careful, but you know, in front of, of daddy, he said, you know, uh, prayer changes things. And um, another thing he, he said was that, you know, we don't learn, you know, we don't talk or learn how to be sober here. You know, that's just doesn't even come up. We, you know, we learn about God. We learn how to live a godly life. We learn, you know, and um, I was thinking about during those seven years, you know, I, I uh, parted because of my, uh, you know, my problems. <laughs> In my life as a young girl, I, I always felt overly responsible, like it's all on me, right? And so um, I would try to be very diligent about teaching the, the children the word of God throughout those years of standing. And I, I would just have days where I was just, whoa, like, you know, but I had a whiteboard and it's almost like I feel like it was just measly teaching. <laughs> my, but it was like what I could do. I recently read a verse where it, it's what you can do. And she did what she could do or the widow's might. It's what she, you know, even if it's just that mustard seed of faith, even if it's so small, I would share just these very uplifting scriptures, you know, and I'd write it in pink or write it in blue. And um, I, I always told myself, even if they hated it or mocked me or, ah, you know, we don't want to do that. I just always remembered, Lord, your word does not return void. And so I feel led to just put the scripture out there on the refrigerator or whatever. And, you know, I know you're going to do something with that one day. And even if it takes 10 years or 20 years or four years, like I'm going to be faithful, like you said, to this. And there's the verse in Timothy um, and Forgive me, but I know you'll, you'll know where it is, but where God says, this was my favorite verse when I first 
became clean myself um, back in two, I don't know, 98 probably, but um, uh, he, God always remains faithful because he cannot be false to himself. So even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot be false to himself. And I don't remember what translation I had a parallel Bible at the time because I couldn't get enough of the word. I'm like, which one do I like? Which one speaks to me? But um, he's always true to himself. And that was the thing. I didn't know how to be true to God or true to me or anyone else, you know, um, but I always held on to that. You know, it, it is God, Philippians says, it is God who is at work within you, helping you want to obey him and then helping you do what he wants. Like how good does it get right there? You know, it's not always on us. We do obviously have our part to respond to God, but um, it's God doing it. It's God fighting for us and um, leading us. Well, we are going to keep praying for your family. And I know those that are listening to this podcast are going to be lifting you or family up in prayer as well. And we just appreciate your transparency and what you've shared. And I think it will give hope to those who feel like maybe their situation is hopeless, that um, God is in control and nothing is too big for him to do. So we appreciate your, your um, being with us and sharing today. Your testimony is going to help so many other people in the future uh, today and in the future. It's going to be great. Well, let me close us in prayer as we finish up today. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had together. I thank you for um, what you've done in this family. And when the days seemed dark and long and like it was an impossible situation, how you just remembered to um, come through and to show this sweet woman your plan for her life. And I thank you for the lessons that she's learned along the way. I thank you for um, the way you have given her the strength to face um, the past and to heal from it. And I pray that as she goes forward, she will continue to have healing from the trauma that she has faced so many times in her life. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in the life of her son, for the um, addiction recovery, and for the way he has not only stepped away from the drugs, but the way he has stepped into a relationship with you. God, we know that um, through you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, I pray on the days that feel overwhelming, where these um, people that are listening just feel like they cannot face another bump in the road. They can't face another struggle that they would just be comforted and know that you are in control and that you are doing all things for their good. So Lord, I pray today, um, especially for other families who have people going through addictions or maybe husbands or wives that are in addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever they're addicted to, Lord, we pray that you would just help the um, one who's praying for them to just remain steadfast in their prayers. And Lord, we pray that the enemy would just be stopped from the lies and the temptations that he's leading so many people into. And um, we look forward with anticipation of hearing how you have restored and redeemed so many lives, so many marriages that the enemy has tried to steal. And we thank you for what you've done in this family and in so many other families. And we love you in your name. Amen. I hope this episode encouraged you to believe that nothing is impossible with Jesus Christ. If you know of someone who needs to hear that message and they need to be encouraged today, will you share this episode with them? I would also love it if you would leave a review on the platform that you listen to this podcast on. 
Your review is what helps us be seen so that others can find hope in their family through Jesus Christ. We appreciate it, and we cannot wait to hear what you thought of this testimony. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.